following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. I want to do something real quick because I would be remiss if I didn't do this. If you are a youth leader that have worked with the youth this year, would you please stand? Guys, these have been the youth workers that have helped us all year. And as you saw from this motley crew that has come through, it has not been an easy group. Let's see if we can get this thing up here. There we go. No, they've been great, and uh, we have none coming back next year. So we need, maybe we need clipboards to send out and say we need more volunteers to help us. Um, As we were preparing for today, we had over 35 seniors sign up. Now, we've had some that have had motorcycle wrecks, like Ben, who's not here. Keep praying for him. And we've had some... We've had family issues come up to where they can't come. But that's a large group. And it's been such a blessing. You only got to get a little taste from the two testimonies. The blessing that we get working alongside your young people, your children, and as they share how God's working in their lives. It's amazing the stories and the things that they're sharing that sometimes they're struggling. They just need a brother that or a sister that's farther down the road to say, it's okay. Hang on. God's right there. I know many of us serve in many different areas, but if you have the opportunity to work with these young people as they're hitting that part in their life where they're going to the next step, and they're looking and they're saying, what is this really all about? What a difference it makes for you to be able to be there and to impact their life with how God has impacted yours. And then you also get to see some cool dances and hear some great stories and once in a while invited to some cool parties. So come join us. Wow, what a great year. And as I've been preparing for today... I think this was probably one of the hardest sermons to get ready. Not just thinking about the lack of time and thinking about Pentecost Sunday and, you know, the star of the church. My one thought was, well, let's just come up and pray the Spirit on everybody and then say, all right, let's go home. I didn't hear anyone say amen, so I'm glad I didn't choose that one. (laughs) Come on, y'all. All right, so here's where I'm at. All around the circle. Came back to my personal devotion time in Zephaniah. And people were like thinking right now, what in the world did you see there? Because the only thing he's talking about is doom and destruction. And he comes in and he says, there's repentance that has to take place. And without repentance, we're all gone down. That's a great message for our seniors. I think it's a great message for all of us. I'm a little trapped up here, so give me a few seconds. Scripture, I don't know if it's up there. I would love to read all three chapters, but reminded of my time. So I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. And we're only going to look at verse 14 through 18. And this is the great day of the Lord. 
Here it is. The great day of the Lord is near and coming quickly. Listen. The cry on the day of the Lord will be bitter. The shouting of the warrior there. That day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of trouble and ruin, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness, a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the corner towers. I will bring distress on the people and they will walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood will be poured out like dust and their entrails like filth. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his jealousy, the whole world will be consumed, for he will make a sudden end of all who live in the earth. And all God's people said, (laughs) yeah, some of you are like, I ain't saying amen to that. You may be seated. So, yeah, even my wife was like, how is this going to relate to our seniors? Well, here's, here's what God's telling me. And I hope you can hear God speaking to you. First of all, this message is not just for our seniors. It's for every single one of us in this room. And that is that God requires true repentance. It is very, very easy for us to walk around and fool everybody. But we, you, Cannot fool God. He requires us to take off those masks that we wear that project something that's not really who we are. He already knows your heart. Seniors, Many of you are getting ready to, to go out for the first time. I know some of you are going to stay around and maybe do school here or school online or a gap year. But it's going to be different. And those of you that are going out, it's going to be different. Those that have gone out and come back, they can tell you it's different. Get all the money you can now before you leave. You will not believe how much things cost. My son's been out for four years and he's still saying, hey, dad, I love you. I need 50 bucks. It's like the common sentence. But as you go out, I want you to remember, you're not going alone. If you have truly repented, if you have truly given it over to the Lord, then then the Lord is right there with you. You are right there doing what God has commanded of you. He wants you to continue to grow. And some of you are going out. And this is where in Sephaniah for me, I was looking and he challenged me because I saw things that They were relevant in his day, but I think they are very relevant for us today. He is telling us how to seek God. 
And as you go out, young people, and you're going out and you're looking, you're seeking different things. You're seeking friends. You're seeking, what do I do in school? You're seeking the path you're going to take for worship. You're seeking to make a name for yourself. But are you really seeking the Lord? Because if true repentance is there, that's what you'll do. I just skipped three pages of notes, so sorry if this doesn't all mesh. But here's the first thing that I see. You want to seek God to know Him. You want to seek God to know Him. In John 17, 3, real quickly, Jesus is talking and he says, We should have a heart that knows God. You know, many times people, it's real popular now, even I have one, a bracelet to remind you of things. And I think one of the first ones I remember, and I'm not that cool, so there were probably more, was the bracelet that came out that had WWJD on it. And people would get us and they go, oh, wait a minute, what would Jesus do? And, you know, I know some of you guys are saying Josh or whatever, but no, it was, what would Jesus do? And as you are going through your life, you want to do those things that you would say, how would God really react if he had a choice to make in the decision that I'm making? You know, if you have true repentance and you are truly seeking God and you know him, you'll know what Jesus would do. And you'll make that choice as you're out there and you're being challenged to do something that Jesus wouldn't do or that God wouldn't do. And you would know right away. The hairs will stand up on the back of your head. And you'll say, no, I am not supposed to do this because I am a child of God. And you would know that because you are seeking to know Him. The other thing that I saw here is that we should seek God to enjoy Him. I know first you have to be reconciled. I know you cannot rejoice in the Lord until you have accepted Christ and His atonements for your sins. But once you do all that, once you turn it all over, once you begin to draw closer to God, you can find great joys and great blessings. Even in testimonies that we heard today, all of it came down to, I was hurting, but God was there. And as you come to know Him and you come to enjoy Him, you get closer. I tell you, you are blessed. No slap on anyone, but I think you can ask a lot of the adults in this room. Because you see the joy on their face and in their heart and what they're doing. Because they enjoy doing what they're doing. Because it's not about them. It's not even about the people group that they're with sometimes. But it's about being close to God and knowing Him and enjoying Him and all that He is. For some of you, even you seniors, 
think back to that first emotional experience that you had when you came to know Christ. And some of you were so happy you couldn't control yourself. You began to cry. You began to weep as you gave your life over to Christ. And my testimony, I tell you, I went in. I had such a big head. Now I have the big body. But at that time, I had such a big head. I thought I was all that. I was doing sports. And I went to this Bible study for one reason. I walked in, and I'm sitting on this couch. And for the first time in my life, I hear about Jesus Christ and giving your life over to Christ. And I I thought that the youth minister was talking directly to me, even though there were a hundred and something people in the room. And when right there they said, and I don't know, hopefully this isn't just a a Southern Baptist thing. They said, we're going to have an altar call. No one laughed. (laughs) Man, okay. So right then in youth group, they said, we're going to have an altar call. And guys, I couldn't get off the couch to go down, even though I knew I needed to be there. And I remember just going to my knees and crawling up. And I never remember crying before. And I was bawling my eyes out as I gave my life to Christ. Thank you. I was blessed then, but here's the secret, guys. Some 30-something years later, I am still blessed. I am still blessed because of His presence in my life. Living in His favor... And His loving kindness is so meaningful for us that we should seek God to enjoy Him. The third thing, and some of you say this is what I'm doing already, but listen to it. We need to seek God to serve Him. Our constant prayer should be those words that we hear Paul speaking on his Damascus Road experience. If you look in Acts chapter 9, around verse 6 or 12, I can't remember exactly. But Paul looks to Jesus and he says, Lord, what will thou have me to do? So many of us say we are serving But who are we serving? You should seek God to serve Him. When you go away and you leave your family for the first time, and you end up at school, and you're laying there in bed, and you're saying, wow, I've got two Saturdays now. You're seeking after the wrong thing. If church has been nothing for you but your mother, your father, your dorm parent, your neighbor that you're staying with or coming with is waking you up and bringing you, something is wrong. Because that means you weren't doing the second point of seeking God to enjoy Him. It should be one of those things where you go and the first thing, and a lot of your parents are going to tell you this, when you go... 
get there and, and find a good church. We told our son, when you, when you get there, Joshua, find a good church first. Don't worry about all this other stuff. And he's like, no, I'm going to find friends first. I'm gonna... It's like, that's important, but find the church where you can worship. And I praise the Lord he did, and he's part of that church family. And they have blessed him like you wouldn't believe. Well, you guys would believe it because you live overseas too, and your kids are there without you. They check to make sure that... Josh, are you okay during spring break and fall break and those breaks where you're not going to be with your family? His church family has become his fellowship. And some of us, as we are seeking to serve him, we need to examine that and say, am I really doing this for God? Am I really pouring out my blood and my sweat for the Lord? Or am I just out here now going through the motions? The last thing is we seek God to be more like Him. Who are you trying to be like right now? For some of you, is it the person that's sitting next to you? a friend, an older brother, even a spouse. You know, if I'm more like my spouse, everything will be good. Are you trying to be like that that person that's at school with you? Are you trying to be that person that's in the cool group? Because if I'm like that, then I'm in the cool group. You know, after college, this will give my age to... I mean, there was even a song about this because everybody wanted to be like Mike. Talking MJ, Michael Jordan. And they thought, man, if I'm like Mike, if I go buy his shoes, I'm going to be able to fly. I'm going to dunk. Ask all those people how that worked out for them. $150 shoes. I mean, parents scraping the bottom of drawers to get the money. Yeah, you're still not dunking, son. You know, maybe it's the 200 and something pounds, but the shoes didn't work. But we want to be like Mike. I'm even going to go buy the Gatorade and Hanes underwear and all. You know, all the stuff came out. It was advertisement. It was pushed on there. Go, 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 go. Be like him. Everything that I read here says, forget all that and try your best to be like him. Okay, that's a good amen right there. Try your best to be like Him. All right. thought you guys checked out. I still have a minute. Come on. As we love God and as we worship Him faithfully, we will find ourselves becoming more and more like Him. Here we are on Pentecost Sunday. The filling of the Spirit. Going out, sharing the message. The first church. Some historians, theologians says that's it, right there. That's when it all took place. And we sit here today. Are we wearing masks? Are we seeking Him? 
I shared a story with some of the youth. One of them said, you got to share that. My dad's got to hear it. And I said, okay, I'll try to fit this in. And um, here it is. Sometimes we get so excited. We get overcome with joy and, and passion for those things that we love. And if you've ever seen my scooter, my car, it, it's all about my school, Duke University, the national champions. That's an amen. Oh, okay, I didn't get that. Sorry. <laughs> Just checking. Well, I'm very passionate about this school and that sports program. The problem was when I met my wife, there were some requirements, and one of those was she had to be a Duke fan, and she met that requirement. Where I fell short, I didn't check on her father's side. And so, see, he was a Chapel Hill fan, and he was, yeah, thanks for the booze. He pulled for those Tar Hill, I'll say that instead of what we normally say, and so he was up there. That's almost as bad as being a U.K. fan. And so he's up there. I'm throwing all my jabs in. It's the year that Duke's playing Kentucky. And they score a basket to go up with point like one second left. I don't even think there was a, a second left. And it's the year that... You know, we still don't have internet and all that stuff. My father-in-law calls, and he says, what you going to do now? I guess you lost this one. You're not going to be the national champions. And I'm like, I'm talking to Susan. I'm up in the marching pace already in front of the TV, and I'm going back and forth. And I'm like, I can't believe this. Why didn't you have him? Grant Hill, you were supposed to defend that guy. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, Oh, I'm just gone crazy. And her dad's on the phone. I'm like, I don't want to talk to that old man right now. And I'm gone crazy. And I'm looking. I'm saying, there's 0.8 seconds. There's nothing we can do. I don't need him rubbing this in. And I'm marching in front of the TV. And I'm just looking. I'm like, it's over. Turn it off. I can't believe this. And then they give the ball to Grant Hill, who throws the ball. Over the half-court line, just outside the three-point line. Christian Leitner catches the ball, even does a dribble, turns around, shoots, hits a three-pointer at the buzzer to win the game. Right, Tom? Okay. So he wins the game, and by then, I am going crazy. Yeah! Well, the first thing I do is run over and grab the phone from Susan. Yeah, old man, how about that? And then the next thing I know, I'm feeling dizzy. I'm holding on. My legs are rocking. I'm sitting here. I fall to the ground. I'm going, oh! And Susan's looking at me. I can still hear. She's saying, Daddy, I think he's having a heart attack. And I'm laying there, and I'm still trying to hold it up. And, And finally my brain kicks in, and I said, Dummy, you've got to breathe. I was so excited. I forgot to breathe through the whole thing because my love and my compassion and everything was tied up into that. And when he made that shot, I thought, whoa. But guys, let me ask you this. It's all worth nothing if we don't have more than that for our Lord and our Savior. If we cannot jump up and down and say, man, 
God's alive right now. And how do I know? Because He's alive in me. Come on, guys. I'm working it. Amen. Is He alive in you today? Young people, as you leave, your faith, if it is nothing to you, will become even less to you when you leave the guidance of your home. When you leave this place, you heard it time and time again that God does not leave you. When you leave this place, are you going to stay with Him, continue to fellowship with Him, continue to seek Him, to know Him, to enjoy Him, to serve Him, and to become like Him? Or are you going to go home or to this place that you're going to call home now? And are you going to forget everything so that you can fit in with the world? We've had some losing seasons. For us, that means under 20 wins. And you know what? They still keep practicing and sticking at it. Guys, you're going to have ups and downs. But your great coach is never going to leave you. And I want to tell you something. Some people say it's not important. I was a collegiate athlete, and I can tell you today, cheerleaders are important. And guys, you're going to go through life, and you have a lot of cheerleaders. And those cheerleaders extend beyond your mother and your father and your grandparents. There are people in this room right now who some of you didn't even know two, three, four years ago that love you in the Lord and are going to be cheering you on and are going to stand up here and say, did you hear what little Johnny did? Seek the Lord with all of your heart. Zephaniah tells us in this whole book, I hope you take time to read it. It's three short chapters. He tells us something that follows repentance. Purity follows repentance. God will gather, and this is in 319, God will gather for himself a people of pure language so they will call upon the Lord and serve Him wholeheartedly. What will you seek after? What are you seeking? The greatest thing I can tell you is I love God and He loves me even though I'm not deserving. And He loves you too. Seek Him with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and all your might. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you and we pray for the passion to seek you wholeheartedly. We pray, Lord, 
that you would be our heart's desire. That you would be the thing that we're so excited about, we would even forget to breathe. We pray that you would help us to cast away any idols that we would put before you and that we would truly and honestly focus on you. Lord, I pray for our seniors today. Some still waiting graduation. Some have already commenced with that. But Lord, it's just more than graduating from math and history and workshop and tech ed and all those. But Lord, it is a chapter in their life where many are going out to a new stage. May they be challenged, Lord, to continue to seek your face. May they be challenged, Lord, to remove any obstacles, to remove the mask that will, will take away those false things, false projections, and just truly come before you. We pray these things in your precious son's name and the name of you've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand for more information please view our website at www.ccfth.org